Welcome to Australian Hiker, your online hiking resource. We're your hosts, Tim and Jill Savage. This is episode 169 of the Australian Hiker podcast. And in this week's episode, we're going to be talking about the Great North Walk. It's mid-November 2020, uh, and in fact, it's actually Friday the 13th as I go through and record this. Uh, And tomorrow, I start my journey uh, from Newcastle to Sydney on the Great North Walk. In this episode, we're going to provide a bit of background about this probably lesser-known trail um, and talk about the logistics of me doing the walk. Now, before we progress with listening to the on-trail episodes, I need to be upfront here and say this is probably best described as a failed through-hike attempt. Um, this trip on the Great North Walk lasted a, a day and a half, uh, and there are reasons for that. So what you'll find in the upcoming recordings is the uh, uh, on-trail thoughts for the first day and almost just on a half uh, and then the reasonings why I ended up pulling the pin on this hike. Ultimately this became a very sharp learning experience for me uh, and one that I'll take forward into future hikes. We hope you enjoy. That is providing a bit of background information on the Great North Walk. This trail, as I mentioned, runs between Sydney and Newcastle for a distance of 260 kilometres. This track or trail um, was uh, instigated as part of the 1988 Bicentennial Projects and along with Australia's longest trail, the Bicentennial National Trail, uh, was opened up in 1988. Funnily enough, this trail tends to be not as well known, and, I'm, and I know this is probably not really providing much evidence of this, but when you hear people talking about long-distance trails, it's trails like the Bibbulmun Track, the Heisen Trail, the Bicentennial National Trail, or the Australian Alps Walking Track. This is one of the lesser-known long-distance trails in Australia. For most people, uh, they... In, in doing my research for this walk, uh, I discovered that the uh, majority of people appear to do this walk in sections, and there is actually a, uh, a website uh, and a Facebook page for this walk, and people's comments and reactions seems to be that they're doing sections of it at a time, they'll do a weekend and come back later on and do another weekend. The walk itself starts uh, in central Sydney and runs through to uh, one of the wharves in Newcastle. Uh, And again, as far as I can tell, most people do this walk from Sydney running through to Newcastle. And there is a reason for that, which I'll talk about in a moment. The walk takes in a number of New South Wales well-known national parks, as well as state forests and crown land, with the majority of the walk being on form trail or management road. Now, from my perspective, I usually do not do long distance hikes at this time of the year. I have a preference for daytime temperatures of around about 12 degrees. um, And when you're hiking, you will 
keep yourself warm. Um, and I'm, I'm a strong believer in it's easy to get yourself warm. It's not so easy to cool yourself down. So the reason that I chose this time of the year that I was supposed to be walking on the Australian Alps walking track and you generally try and avoid the snow unless that's a deliberate choice. So for that track, you tend to start mid to late October, early November. So I found myself with four weeks holidays uh, and I didn't want to not do a walk. uh, So I ended up choosing the Great North Walk. Now, in cancelling the Australian Alps walking track uh, trip uh, due to COVID and due to bushfires, um, really, uh, I was left with trying to find a walk that met a, a few criteria. One of those, particularly at this time of the year, or particularly now, is that it had to be accessible from a COVID perspective. I was looking at a number of walks, and I really, I needed to make a decision about a month out just to make sure I had everything in place. So this was probably the only walk that I could be guaranteed of being able to cross borders and not be restricted in my movement. The other issue that was applying to a lot of the tracks in Australia is due to last summer's bushfires, there had been a lot of damage to a lot of national parks all up and down the east coast of Australia, Western Australia, South Australia um, in particular. So it's it was very hard to find a walk that I could actually do that wasn't severely damaged. And there were a number of walks that I looked at that there's still large sections closed. So I opted to uh, look at something that was uh, New South Wales based. I am looking at doing the Heisen Trail in a couple of years time, um, but typically it will close to walkers around about mid to late November because the the heat gets so intensive and the fire danger becomes so high, they don't want people wandering around in the middle of uh, the bush basically uh, when there's a fire coming through. My reason for choosing the north to south direction, uh, and for those of you that have been following Australian Hiker for a while, I'm a strong believer in walking home. So uh, my view is I don't like walking away from Canberra. I always like walking to it. Uh, and it's it's purely an arbitrary sort of uh, uh, decision, but it's just one that's just in my psyche. That's just the way I think. Um, the other reason was that we have family in Newcastle. So Jill, my wife, is going to be dropping me off at the trailhead uh, and she'll visit family at, at the same time. It means that when she picks me up in Sydney, the drive up from Canberra is going to be much shorter. So it just made sense logistically. I've decided to do this walk as an 11-day walk. Um, And if you go to the guidebook, and there's quite a good guidebook, which I'll review uh, after this walk, um, but the, uh, the the guidebook provides a couple of mainstream options, if you like. One's an 18-day and one's a 12-day trip. And there's a few other different options as well. But I've looked at this as doing it as an 11-day walk. Uh, and from my perspective, that will give me an average of around about 23 kilometres, or just a tiny bit over 23 kilometres per day. Usually when I'm doing long-distance hikes, I try and do uh, around about the 30 to 32 kilometres a day. So this one will be not as rushed or not as pushed as some of my other walks tend to be. The other issue that's also uh, occurred at the moment due to COVID is New South Wales government have requested that people camping uh, in their national parks, in their state forests, on Crown land, 
provide uh, an indication of where they're going to be staying. This is so that if there's an outbreak of COVID, they can go through and link back who is staying at what particular campground on what particular night. Now, I will have a bit of variability as far as my distances are concerned. And in fact, my first two days are some of my bigger days. First day is pretty much spent walking out of Newcastle uh, and I'll be staying at a caravan park uh, on that night. The second night was actually due to be my shortest day of the whole trip because I find when I'm doing long distance hikes, um, the first day I actually don't have problems doing, but I feel the, the, the pain of it, if you like, on the second day. So I find the second day is always the hardest day on any hike for me. Um, what's happened in this instance, I'd planned a short day uh, of roughly around about 15 kilometres uh, and discovered that the accommodation, which is a small hotel, is not open for business at the moment. I'm not quite sure why, whether it's due to the fires from last year, whether it's due to COVID, I'm just not sure. So it means that where I was planning on stopping really wasn't a suitable camp, camping area or accommodation area. So I've opted to do a long day, and on my second day, I'm doing roughly around about 28 kilometres, uh, and I'll stay on uh, at one of the, the designated state forest campgrounds. That then provides me with my shortest day of the trip on day three, and just by sheer luck, it's worked out to be really a good thing, because the forecast for that, which is the Monday, uh, is for 36 degrees Celsius. Uh, and as much as I have walked in those temperatures, I prefer not to. It really does take it out of you and you use a hell of a lot of water. So, you know, days when it's 36 degrees, I'll drink anything up to about eight litres. Uh, and I'd prefer not to do that if I can help it, because it means in a lot of cases I've got to carry much more water. So for day three, 12 kilometre walk, I'll start early, I'll be finished well and truly by lunchtime, means I can sort of sleep out or uh, stay under the shade of a tree and avoid the heat. Food-wise, I'll be carrying food for 10 days, uh, and even though it's an 11-day trip, my first day I'll be having breakfast in Newcastle, uh, the last day I'll be having lunch uh, and, uh, if necessary, dinner in Sydney, so I'll be able to stop off at a, a store or a takeaway uh, or a shop somewhere and grab some food as I go. So I'm carrying 10 days' worth of food, and that's approximately about 7 kilos. Usually my preference is to carry around about eight days of food. Um, but again, because of COVID, um, it just made sense just to add the extra two days in. Um, I was a bit concerned that I wasn't going to be able to fit everything into my pack, but it worked out to be quite, quite a good uh, pack and worked out quite well. Um, yes, it's a bit of extra weight, uh, but I'll shed that relatively quickly you know, in the first two days. They'll, they'll drop back to my, my normal maximum of eight days worth of food. It means that I don't have to rely on doing pickups or having someone drop me food off or mailing food boxes ahead. Uh, it was just a much easier process just to carry everything at once. Accommodation-wise, um, the first night, as I said, I'll be staying at a caravan park on the very outskirts of Newcastle, and the plan is to tent, uh, but who knows, I might get there and change my mind and, and get a cabin instead, but I'll, I'll see what happens on that one. Um, but yeah, I've got a tent, so that's the intent of, of, of using that on that night. And pretty much from there on, the rest of the, the uh, walk, with the exception of the last night, will also be in tents as well. 
on the, the last night uh, and, the la and the very last day, I'll be walking through uh, urban bushland and through city, the, the city of Sydney. Uh, and if necessary, I will stay in, a, in some form of a hostel or a hotel along the way. There was one I've been trying to organise, which is a recommendation in the guidebook, um, but they appear to be closed. The website doesn't say about them anything being closed, but no one's answering the phones, no one's responding to emails over the last couple of weeks. So I'm guessing there's just no one there to, to take things in, into play. Uh, and given, again, that because of COVID, they haven't been really being able to access a lot of these campgrounds, I'm guessing they haven't quite opened up just yet. As per usual on this hike, I'll be recording my thoughts as I go, uh, if I come across other hikers. And in all honesty, I will probably expect to come across other hikers on the weekend, uh, but not, not, not necessarily so much during the week, but we'll see what happens. I know there are people out on trail at the moment, um, so who knows, if I can get a chance, I will interview them as I go. Just to give you my idea of what my thoughts are and what, what, I, what I'm actually thinking of this trip. As usual, I'll do a full write-up on this trip at the end of the walk with all the logistical information uh, to help provide a bit of background for people looking at doing the walk themselves. One final comment I'd make is there's two water trips on this walk, and that's crossing the Hawkesbury River either by uh, water taxi or ferry, and, and that will what which one I use will be dictated on when I arrive at the at the water site. Um, if I don't, I don't want to wait four or five hours, I'll end up paying the extra money to get a water taxi, which I can do on call. The other one's crossing Sydney Harbour uh, to finish off pretty much uh, uh, the walk uh, towards Macquarie uh, Place. So again, two water crossings and hopefully uh, uh, the, uh, Sydney, not a problem. There'll be plenty of ferries going to and from. Um, the, as I said, the Hawkesbury one might be a bit more logistically challenging. Okay, so the next interviews you will hear will be uh, from my on-trail experience. So it's Saturday the 14th of November 2020 and I've been walking for around about 45 minutes on the Great North Walk heading from Newcastle down to Sydney. Um, in all honesty, in, the, in the, the excitement of getting started, I normally do a, a recording just before I start, and I didn't this morning. Um, but um, I've taken a break, um, just gone through King Edwards Park, uh, and I'm just sitting up the top of the hill, uh, which is pretty much what I've been doing since I left the, the Queen's Wharf, is walking through the streets of Newcastle, heading through the local parks, heading uphill, uh, onto the headland and I'm just about to uh, go around the corner uh, and head, start heading along the coastline proper. The walk itself is um, um, uh, interesting so far in that um, the signposts are very traditional, very old-fashioned given that this walk was created in 1988. Uh, these days uh, the standards for trail markers are very different. They've got to be reflective, uh, visible at night time, and I think uh, these ones certainly aren't. Um, so I'm sure as they get replaced, things will change and the markers will change. 
Queen's Wharf itself was a bit hard to pick out where the starting point was uh, and part of the problem I had this morning was that uh, they're doing work on the adjacent train station and it blocked quite a lot of the, the foreshore area off. Uh, which means that um, we drove from our hotel, which wasn't too far from the trailhead, uh, and virtually ended up walking almost straight back past it again to, to get back on track. Looks like it's going to be a warm day today. Uh, not too bad so far. I think the forecast is for high 20s. Uh, same tomorrow, and then Sunday is the, or Monday rather, is the day I'm not looking forward to is 36 degrees. But I do have uh, a short day that day. All right, I will keep on going. It's uh, 9.30. I've just stopped for morning tea just along Merryweather Beach. Usually I take about a, an hour and a half walk and then I'll stop and have a break, have, have something to eat. Um, going reasonably well so far. Um, the heat, yeah, I'd like... As I said uh, uh, in the introduction to this podcast, I like it around about 12 degrees. Um, it's, it's easier to get warm. It's not so easy to cool down. Um, and it's certainly not hot at the moment, but it's getting that way. So I've probably got maybe uh, half a kilometre or a kilometre to go. Uh, and then I start turning inland away from the beach itself. And you can hear the waves in the background now. Um, it's quite a, a pleasant day. There's a lot of people on the beach, a lot of people walking along the foreshore. Um, you know, this is, from my perspective, a typical summer is what you'd expect to see. Social distancing, yeah, well, <laughs> I think that's gone out the window. Um, but it's sort of, um, um, you know, the, the groups on the beach seem to be staying together, but certainly on the foreshore, you know, there's this big groups just hanging out in the middle of nowhere. So as I start turning inland, I'll actually be going into areas that I've walked before and the Rivru before, um, uh, when we've come up here on a regular basis, because we do have family up in this direction. So looking at getting a bit of inland, getting a bit of tree coverage. Talk to you later. It's just on uh, 12 o'clock. I'm having lunch at the trailhead, or the main trailhead for the Glenrock Conservation Area. Um, normally I stop for lunch around about 12, 12.30, but I decided it was uh, just a good location, uh, good seating, shaded area, just so I could stop and, and have a bit of a break. Um, I'd forgotten about walking through Glenrock, particularly around the creek areas, that there can be a few mosquitoes around. Wasn't too much of a problem for me, because I've pretty much got long clothing on and a hat and everything else. Uh, but if you stop for too long, you do get mosquitoes on your clothing and they try and actually bite through the clothes. Uh, so, um, thankfully, you sort of move at a steady pace. Uh, don't sit for too long in one area, you're normally fine. But if you've got short sleeves and short pants on, it could be a bit of an issue. It's actually 21.5 degrees, which is not too bad. Uh, but the forecast is for 26, so we're, we're getting there. Um, and again the temperature over the next couple of days tomorrow's forecast to be 29 Monday's 35 uh, and then back to back into the 20s low to high 20s over the next few days spending very much most of the day walking through the suburbs of Newcastle but it's interspersed with both beach walking and walking through uh, recreation and conservation areas along the way um, spent a reasonable bit of time this morning once I left 
the the, uh, the beach walkways, walking along sand and rocks around the headlands. And I must admit, I hadn't thought too much about it, but you know, if the tides had been high and the wind conditions and sea conditions bad, you'd definitely have to walk inland. Uh, I got wet feet once, uh, but given that the temperature is reasonably warm, uh, that, that didn't take long for them to dry out. Okay, I just need to go and swap the mosquitoes, which are just settling on me as I'm sitting here. Um, so I'll stay for another 5-10 minutes, then head off again for this afternoon. It's night one on my Great North Walk track, uh, heading down towards Sydney. Today pretty much went as I thought it would. Um, I had planned on doing 25.3 roughly kilometres, and that's what my GPS told me that I ended up doing. Took a bit longer than I'd planned. Um, realistically, I started at 8 o'clock in the morning uh, and I finished at 5.51 in the evening. That's realistically slow, much slower than I'm used to walking. Usually I tend to average 3.75 kilometres. But there are a couple of reasons for that. Once I got out of Newcastle proper and off the... Uh, the, the beaches around the headland um, I was on uh, rock and sand uh, working my way a few kilometres down the coast and that really slowed me down I must admit I hadn't actually thought that the beach section would be as slow as it was um, but it was interesting to know that uh, um, if the conditions had been a high tide and rough seas, you wouldn't be able to walk along the beach. You'd have to go up onto the roads and come through that way. As it was, I didn't get my feet wet once. Uh, I tried to avoid it. Um, so ended up getting sand into my shoes and water, um, but that didn't take too long to dry out. The other thing was as well is um, I am heavier than I like to be by around about uh, eight kilos uh, and that certainly um, slowed me down um, and you know I, that's fine in some respects because I will average losing around about three and a half kilos uh, per week so realistically I expect to lose roughly around about six uh, kilos on this trip um, and in some respects I'll lose that six kilos I'll also lose about six kilos out of my pack with food. So on the last day, um, I will be um, traveling reasonably quickly. Now, I've chosen to uh, do this walk north to south, um, but that's more from a, a psychological perspective from my point of view. I do just like walking home, but what that has meant is I'm doing the, the hardest section first, because once I get to roughly about halfway, the elevation change is a lot less. Um, and um, as I said, by the time I get to that last half, I've lost a, a reasonable chunk of weight for my food. So I think you know, if you live in Sydney or you live in Newcastle um, and you're doing this, um, this walk um, and you're not too fussed about where you finish, because really those two cities aren't too far apart and you can actually get a train back um, uh, one way or the other so you know you can 
uh, get a train back from Newcastle to Sydney or vice versa. So it's not as big an issue. For me, it was really a matter of I'm having to drive back or someone's having to pick me up and drive back to Canberra at the end of it. Um, I've given up on buses. Um, I do not fit in the buses. I need two seats. Um, so the buses are made for people that are about um, up to six foot tall and weigh probably about 50 kilos because um, even with my shoulders pressed hard up against the window, I'm halfway over into the next seat. Not much I can do about that. I found that over the day, I mean, I was eating on a fairly regular basis, um, but one of the things I did learn is the water is a bit variable in this first section. And in the write-up of this podcast, I'll go through and um, identify where the water sources are. And in many respects, there's good water at the start, there's good water at the end of this section that I did today. It was just the middle section that, that tended to be an issue. Um, there's water bubblers virtually right the way in t- along the beach area so you can afford to drink as much as you like uh, and drink other bubblers uh, pretty regularly the same can be said as the last half once you get onto the last half you start picking up uh, a number of parks and also shops as well uh, on the last section of this walk so you're providing a lot of access to to water and food as well same can be said of, of food on the first section of the trip as, as well today. Uh, lots of food, lots of places to stop for coffee, for lunch, if you really feel like it. It was the middle section that tended to be the issue, and these were the sections that walk between the suburbs, I suppose. Exosways allow you to pick up um, bushland between the suburbs, so you're walking on roads through suburbs for a relatively short section, then you're walking through bushland, then you're back out on roads again. Um, so it's, it's, it's quite interesting in that respect. So I think, you know, certainly the first day in particular, um, you really are going through and spending a lot of it, um, probably 50-50 walking through suburbs, walking through bushland. Tomorrow I expect it to be a lot less. There will be the last section of Newcastle as I walk out and and enter Watkins National Park. Um, And from there on, I've got pretty much bushland until I start approaching Sydney proper. And then I start picking up the suburbs um, and picking up housing. Uh, And then on the last day in particular, that's pretty much all it is. The other thing that I've done is um, I had planned on staying at the caravan park uh, at the end of Lake Macquarie. Um, And Jill, who's up here for the weekend, came and met me and I thought, well, she's staying in a hotel, I'm staying in a a tent, may as well get her to pick me up. And she did. She picked me up at the the entrance to the caravan park. Um, I'm staying in the bed again tonight. Uh, She'll drop me back on, at the pickup point from tomorrow and I'll continue on um, pretty much by camping from now on. I don't mind doing this sort of thing. I mean, you know, is with the uh, a lot of the bigger trails, things like the, uh, uh, the, the Bibbleman Track, it's not unusual to be staying in towns every five or six or seven days. So this is just one opportunity to do that because, as I said, really today was, was spent walking out of Newcastle for a great deal. I'm planning on getting a relatively early start tomorrow. So instead of walking by 8 o'clock, I plan on being walking at 7 o'clock. And the reason for that is 
Today, temperature got up to around about 23, 24, uh, and that did sort of take it out of me a bit. Uh, and again, partly due to, I'm not a big fan of heat, um, and I'm not a big fan of uh, uh, hiking in midsummer. As I said earlier on in this podcast, I prefer the temperature to be around about 12 degrees, uh, and that's comfortable hiking temperature for me. Um, tomorrow is going to be 29, so I uh, and I've also got a big day. I've got a, a day where I'm walking uh, just on just over 28 kilometres, and the reason for that is that the hotel that I was planning on staying at isn't open. So really, it's sort of um, the next available campground. I do pass a couple of others, um, but I'll, means I'll walk uh, to my second stop. Uh, making it for a long day, but that's a good thing because Monday the forecast is 35, 36 degrees. On Monday, I've only got a 12-kilometre walk. Um, so I'll start by walking by 7, I'll be finished by lunchtime, means I can set up my tent, uh, have get out of the sun, have a bit of a rest and a relax uh, during the hottest part of the day. The other thing that surprised me on this, this walk so far today is I expected to be a lot of flies and for the flies to be the issue, that wasn't the case. It was the mosquitoes. Now I hike with long sleeve top, long pants and a hat. So the only exposed area was really my hands and my face. Having said that, I've got a 150 gram merino top and the mosquitoes can actually get through that. They sort of land on you, they sort of work their way through the weave um, and then uh, when you realise you feel, feel a bit of a, a, a prick, you go through and squat them because they're firmly attached. So I found that if I was taking a break, which I was doing quite regularly, if I stayed there too long, I'd have dozens of mosquitoes trying to um, uh, bite me. Um, so when I was taking a break, it was a short break, but I was doing it uh, and that would allow me to lose mosquitoes until I, next time I took the, the break. Um, I'd stay there and again they'd, they'd find me again and I'd have to keep on walking. So far it's only day one. I've still got 10 more days to go uh, and I must admit I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying it actually. Um, I was comparing it to uh, the human hovel track uh, which is a similar sort of track but I think in all honesty if I had, a, had to pick only based on one day and this may change but based on just the one single day I would, I, this would be the track that I'd love to do again if I was going to do a, a walk a second time. All right, that's it for me. I will start. <laughs> um, I'm just doing the social media. I'm just doing the podcast. Um, as I said, it's not even 8 o'clock yet, and I'm, I am buggered, really. I'm very tired. Sorry, one last thing I did want to mention is I had uh, a trail angel today. So I was walking down the streets, um, yeah, getting toward, heading towards Warner's Bay and Lake Macquarie. Um, I found a tree on the nature strip, so I had a, a bit of a, a lie down for about 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Got up, continued walking, and a guy that was uh, around about three houses down stopped and offered me uh, a drink, which I was quite happy to accept. So he gave me a, a seat in the shade and gave me a uh, some nice sugary cordial, which is is pretty amazing when you're doing these sort of hikes, um, and uh, yeah, it's it's good to hear people. I mean, he this guy's a walker. He said he does about thirty kilometres a day. Um, he hasn't retired that long ago, um, so he's uh, he was interested to find out what I was doing. 
Um, I did actually take advantage of the service stations as I passed as well. So I got additional drinks and I had an ice cream as well. Uh, and that made a big difference. Getting a bit of sugar into the system um, really did means that I, all of a sudden my energy came back again. I hadn't actually hit the wall or, or bonking as it's called, but you know, I was certainly losing energy. Um, and you know, this, it was slowing me down. So once I'd had an ice cream and a drink, I was back on pace again uh, and, and, and walking at a steady pace without needing to take too many breaks. One last thing that's an issue for me for tomorrow is um, uh, my the balls of my feet are not painful, but they're starting to feel a bit sore. Given that I'm doing 28 and a half kilometres tomorrow, I am going to have to tape the balls of my feet. Toes aren't too bad. There might be a couple of uh, tape, bits of tape needed on a couple of toes, but otherwise pretty good. One other thing that did surprise me uh, was um, you can tell COVID has been um, not defeated, but at least contained because there were so many people out and about walking, swimming, cycling, roller skating, you, uh, you name it, they were doing it. Um, I have never seen so much active wear on uh, females, pretty much every female I came across today had active wear on uh, and this isn't old stuff they've dragged out of the cupboard, this is all brand new sort of stuff so they've obviously been busy over the uh, the COVID period doing some online shopping and I must admit I'm the same um, I've done more online shopping in the last six months than I've done probably in the last two or three years combined um, so yeah, people are certainly out and about. I think social distancing probably isn't happening. Um, some people are sort of staying in small groups, but in other areas there's this large groups of people walking between each other. So um, it's interesting to see what's what's happening up in Sydney. So I'm trying to keep the distance where I can. And certainly after uh, today, pretty much I'll be by myself until I reach Sydney. Uh, at that stage, I have actually bought a mask with me. Um, I do need to get on public transport a couple of times, uh, crossing the Hawkesbury and crossing uh, Sydney Harbour. So I'll definitely be wearing a mask there just because it's going to be in a bit more of a contained space. Okay, that's all for me. Good night. It's 7.20 on day two, uh, and I'm back to where I finished yesterday's hike, which is just outside the caravan park, and I'm about to head off for roughly a 28-kilometre day. Uh, forecast for the temperature-wise is 27, 28 degrees. Yesterday's temperature was supposed to be at 24, and it didn't quite get there. I'm hoping it'll be the same, but there is a large... Uh, high pressure front coming through that's bringing lots of hot weather with it uh, hence the really hot day tomorrow and hopefully the short day um, might be able to hear the cars uh, where I am at the moment is just on the main highway uh, just on the uh, it's only about five meters away uh, but it's on a you know the road I'm on is actually slightly separate so it's just on on the inside of the highway um, had a good sleep last night, uh, much needed sleep, uh, drank lots of water, drank lots of fluids, had a good meal, uh, caught up on social media, which did actually take me a while, took me longer than I thought. Okay, heading off for the day.
It's 9.49, just stopping for a break, just about to start heading downhill onto Wake, Wakefield Forest Road. Uh, and once I've gone under, I'm guessing, uh, the M1 highway, uh, I'm pretty much in bushland for most of the trip until I start getting uh, close to Sydney. The majority of this morning has been spent road walking uh, with some short sections just on some track but pretty much been walking on the side of uh, major roads or um, through suburbs. Not the most exciting walking in the world. Uh, and someone said to me on social media yesterday that, yeah, today is just one of those days that it's almost like you you do it because you need to get from A to B. And I think that's it. So I think, you know, the first part of yesterday was really good, walking through Newcastle, walking through the beaches was enjoyable, um, and then walking through parklands. Now I think what it is was um, getting to the outskirts of Newcastle and getting into the bushland, uh, and that's where I think the, the really enjoyable stuff will happen. One of the things that I don't know what it is, it always surprises me. I know how long it takes me to get ready in the morning. I wake up with plenty of time. Uh, and I always end up se- and seem to end up leaving around about 20 to 25 minutes late, which is what I did this morning. So I planned on leaving at 7 o'clock. I left at 7.26. And I think it's just, I don't know, I think I just dawdle and just take a bit of a relax rather than trying to rush through getting ready to go. Um, I should know better. You know, almost without fail, it's always the way. I always leave that 20 minutes early just sitting here on the side of the track and I've, it, it, the track's actually come onto a, uh, a dirt forest road uh, as I said I'm just about to turn down it um, it's a bit of shade I can hear the highway down the hill um, and um, unlike yesterday where every time I stopped for more than a minute or so I was covered in mosquitoes, the mosquitoes have disappeared and I think in part that was to do with uh, the type of bushland and the moisture and everything else that I was going through um, so hopefully that's going to repeat itself for the rest of the trip and lose mosquitoes for most of it. I do believe there's one area where the leeches are really bad um, so again I'll see what happens there. I do actually walk with long pants, long shirt um, so really the only, only uncovered areas are the face and the hands uh, everything else is pretty much covered up. Okay, I will head off again. So in this final section of this podcast, we just want to go over a few things. We'll talk about the, the trip itself, or at least the, the section of the trip that I went through and did. And then we'll talk about my reasons for quitting the hike, which will probably make up the the, the majority of, of what we're going to talk about in this last section. From my perspective, this, you know, the day and a half that I did on this trip was actually quite an enjoyable trip. The first, really the first day and uh, uh, a third, if you like, uh, was spent walking out of Newcastle. Uh, but it was quite interesting. I'd, I'd, even though I've got um, family up in Newcastle itself in that area, I'd never actually walked around the city uh, and it was interesting to see so particularly the first day, the Saturday, gave me a good opportunity to walk around the beach area through through uh, the, the outskirts of the city area uh, and see things that I'd never actually seen before. 
So that was actually quite interesting. Second day pretty much started out the same uh, process again, uh, was leaving the outskirts of Newcastle, uh, but this time without all the, uh, the beach activity. Um, and being in, you know, the states being in lockdown for so long and having restrictions and having social distancing restrictions put in place for so long, um, the weekend I was there, it was very apparent that people, the weather was good that, and that were people were trying to get out and about and get some exercise and get some sun. Uh, as I mentioned in the podcast, I have never seen so much active wear in one, <laughs> in one spot. And, that, and as I said, it was new. This, is what, this wasn't stuff that had been sitting in the cupboard for, for five years. It was all brand new and shiny and, and looked really amazing. K- so. Kitty Flanagan does this amazingly funny uh, skit about uh, how long you should be wearing your active wear after being active. And it's a very complicated calculation. And the answer is, one hour, <laughs> but at least the people I was seeing were actually were actually walking and exercising and doing things. So that's fine. So going through the first day itself, um, a couple of things that I came across, as I said, with the social distancing. I don't think social distancing was occurring anywhere in Newcastle that I could see. There were large numbers of people on the beach. There were a large number of people uh, up in the car parks and the cafes, uh, in queues, uh, and they weren't standing apart. So it became really hard sometimes when you're walking through a crowd of people. I tried to do it as quickly as I possibly could, and sometimes there was just no other option but to get closer than people uh, than you would really like. Um, coming to the end of the beach area at Mackenzie's Beach, um, I was aware that I had a section of beach walking, uh, and it was actually reasonable. Uh, and I think I was lucky on the day because I knew that there was an option to walk up on the cliff area itself and avoid walking on the beach. Uh, but I chose to walk along the beach because that's where the, the actual track runs itself. And I think... If the tide had been higher than it was, I would have had to have gone up because I didn't manage to get my feet wet once. If um, the sea conditions had been rough, I think you wouldn't have wanted to be walking along the beach because uh, some of the instances I had where you only had a couple of metres from water to the cliff face. So, yeah, as I said, rough sea conditions, you just wouldn't have had a choice. Um, But it was actually quite an enjoyable sort of walk. Saw a pot of dolphins, which was quite nice. Um, and once I got past Mackenzie's Beach itself, the people sort of started thinning down quite a bit. Um, from there, I walked into um, uh, I, I hadn't actually walked that section of beach, uh, but I walked down to uh, the Yulbarra walking track, which actually takes you down to the ocean, and we've gone through and reviewed that in the past. Um, so I got to walk it back up to uh, the main car park there at the trailhead, which was where I had lunch. A lot of people out walking. Again, the last time we came up to walk this, which, a couple, which was a couple of years ago, I had, don't remember there being that many people. So there are lots of people out uh, mountain biking. There are lots of people out walking. So I think the, the, the desire to get out and be active has really, really come back into play. Yeah, and as I followed you along, I, I had that sense too. And I thought it was fabulous that, you know, so many people, um, all sorts of different ages, different fitness levels, uh, different active wear, (laughs) out out and about and really enjoying the weather and uh, the very warm weather. 
From there, I, I had lunch um, at um, uh, just at the the trailhead at, at the Yulbarra trailhead there, uh, and then I headed on to um, the end of Lake Macquarie, which was where I was going to be staying for the night in the caravan. Um, again, the was back in through the suburbs, and the trail actually went through green space and reserves that um, wound their way between the housing areas. Uh, and that was interesting. One of the questions that I've had people ask me uh, about this was the availability of water. Water up until really Mackenzie's, the end of Mackenzie's Beach there, really easy. There was a water bubbler or a fountain almost every couple of hundred metres, uh, and you can just basically drink off those all the way through. Once you get into your bar itself, you're starting to get a bit more limited. Uh, and certainly in the afternoon, I started coming across signs saying, do not drink the water, uh, potential for, for sewerage spills and pesticide uh, in the water, water ew, environment. Ew, ew. So even with a filter, I think if you had a water purifier, you'd be okay. But given that most people don't carry purifiers Maybe, but carry filters yeah. instead, um, you know, it wouldn't be a, a something to, to, to think about. I was getting a bit worried. I had plenty of water, but I was thinking, oh, God, if this keeps on up, I'm going to have to sort of work out what I'm doing. But I came back out again roughly at the Charlestown area uh, and um, uh, and then the water bubblers pretty much started back on again along with um, service stations and cafes and little restaurants down on Lake Macquarie itself. A couple of things to note at the in the afternoon of that day one was um, I came across a group of, would have been about eight or nine other walkers doing the track and they were coming the other direction. Uh, it looked like a scout group. Um, and I think, as I mentioned at the very introduction to this podcast, most people, not all, but most people tend to do this walk as a section hike. They'll do a weekend here, or a weekend there, or three or four days, and they'll, they'll add it bit by bit and build up the actual walk over a period of months or years. And there seem to be a lot of those around. And looking at the, the group that I passed, they didn't have particularly big or heavy packs. Um, you know, it wasn't, didn't look like they were, they were starting from Sydney. So I'm guessing they'd started somewhere and just made the, uh, uh, the, 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 a short trip from somewhere close by, at least anyway. One of the things I did, uh, the heat was starting to affect me by this stage. And uh, mid-afternoon, I came across a tree on a... A nature strip, and that wasn't right in front of someone's house. It was a there was a fence between me and the road, so I just sat in the shade for about ten or fifteen minutes and just had a little lie down, had a drink, and just had a bit of a rest. And I'd gotten up and walked probably three houses, uh, and I had a gentleman who uh, uh, was you know, very close to where I'd actually decided to lay down on the grass, uh, say hello, and. Uh, asked what I was doing, and he, you know, he, he indicated that he was a walker. He he typically tries to walk around about twenty or thirty kilometres a day. Uh, he's really gotten into it, uh, and he asked me about the track, and he offered me a drink. So the whole concept of trail angling in Australia isn't as common as it is in the United States with their long distance trails, where people will provide food at certain locations and drinks. Uh, and meals and all that sort of thing, uh, but it was actually quite—it um, uh, was quite a, a good thing actually. Except the fact that someone was interested in what you were doing, uh, was willing to offer you a drink, and again, it was just cordial, and that was fine. That was what I needed. I needed something—a cool drink with a bit of sweetness and sugariness, sugary in it—and uh, that was certainly what it did. Oh, that's great. I mean, that's such a, a lovely thing to do to you know be watching out for people, and he obviously. Um, saw you, 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 you know, by the end of that day, you, you, 
you looked a bit worse for wear, I have to say. You'd... And I was going to say, if uh, if he is listening, thank you very much. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, we greatly appreciate it. From there, I made my way around the edge of Lake Macquarie uh, up to the caravan park at the end of the lake. Uh, and it was my intent to stay there. Um, but Jill, who was up in Newcastle visiting family for the weekend, came down with her brother. Um, and they sort of, um, they had, I have a bit of a chat to them and they met me at the caravan park. And I decided on the spur of the moment that Jill had had a, uh, a lovely room booked in a hotel. Um, <laughs> a very uh, nice room booked in a very nice um, motel. And uh, yeah. So I, he made I, a mess of it. <laughs> so I opted to go back there for the night and she dropped me back off in front of the caravan park the next morning. One thing I would say through here, I mean, yeah, there's nothing wrong with choose opting to caravan parks or hotels or tenting uh, because the intent was pretty much for the rest of the trip I'd be in a tent. Um, I did actually go in the next day and have a look at the, um, the, the caravan park. The campground was very very small uh, in between the toilet block and the pool um, I think potentially it could have been a bit noisy during the holidays um, so I'm actually glad that I stayed in a nice air-conditioned hotel uh, nice bed had a shower uh, without having to set my tent up so that was pretty good in that respect yeah and interestingly um, that was a $20 fee for the campsite um, but if you return it's ten dollars. So yeah, I mean yeah, that's something. That's that, not a bad option. That, that's something that may change over the years, but it's uh, you know, certainly it's one of the ones that's recommended in the, in the guidebook, uh, and it's in a good location. Now I think in the actual day one podcast or the the, the series of recordings I did, I think I said I did twenty five point three kilometres. It was actually twenty three point five kilometres, which is what the guidebook actually said it was. So that my my GPS was measuring pretty much to the uh, the distance on that. Um, and in all honesty, you know, the, the, the temperature was only supposed to get to about 24 degrees. I don't think it got even got that high. I think it got uh, less than that. Um, but certainly by the end of the day, I was pretty tired. Oh, well, I think it did get higher. Now, it was quite humid as well in that environment. So that always has a big impact. One concern I did have on this trip, and based on last year's human hovel track, so for those of you that followed, realised that I got off the human hovel track or Jill and I got off, uh, mainly because I had a bung knee. Uh, and as I discovered, <laughs> after the uh, the trip, it was bursitis. Um, so I'd pretty much spent the last 12 months being paranoid about, is this going to impact me? I, I could not understand for the life of me how I could do a 1,000-odd kilometres on the Bibbulmun track the year before, have no knee issues, do a, a track that's shorter, uh, and all of a sudden have these issues and, and not being able to complete a hike. Now, I still do have 116 kilometres left to go on that track. It was supposed to be Easter this year, but between the bushfires and COVID, it looks like it's probably, I'm hoping for Easter next year to finish that one off. So certainly um, on that track, um, I had knee issues on the very first day and every day thereafter. Uh, on this trip, not a problem. I'd gone through and spent enough time and effort uh, doing the right exercises and getting the right level of fitness in the right areas to overcome the issues that I was having with the bursitis, and that worked out really well. That's good. Um, I certainly did have a relatively good night's sleep. Uh, it wasn't a particularly long night's sleep. It was probably only six or seven hours, but I, I slept all the way through. Um, you know, by the time I went through and 
Uh, I did actually eat my hiking meal. Uh, by the time I did that uh, and catch up on social media and do, some, do, a, do a podcast recording at the end of the day, um, pretty much I think it was probably about 10.30 by the time I went to bed and I'd woken up again at 5.30 the next day, you know, only because the alarm went off, not because um, I woke up naturally. So I obviously needed the sleep. Now, day two. Uh, day two was where things started to unravel for me. So I got up. I was feeling like I had a good sleep. Um, I, um, you know, without giving too much information, my, my urine was fairly dark from the day before, uh, which is a good indication that um, I hadn't been drinking enough. Very dehydrated. And, and I drank a, a lot of uh, liquids at the end of the day. Um, and... You know, I would have drunk probably two or three or four litres of liquid. Um, uh, and uh, even then, it took a long time to sort of lighten up my urine colour to where it should have been. Now, morning of day two, I had a good breakfast. I had plenty of plenty to drink um, and I ended up vomiting. Now, this is something that I typically don't do. Uh, you know, if I've had food poisoning, it might be a different issue. Um, but I think, again... The, the heat from the previous day did imp impact on me. So um, after having breakfast, I think I ended up losing most of it. So probably a bit too much information for most people, but it sort of sets the scene about the rest of the day. So getting ready, I, my feet were a bit sore from the day before, and I usually find that particularly when I start a long-distance hike, um, I will start to get sore feet um, particularly for the first four or five or six days. So uh, I didn't actually need to have um, uh, taping of my feet on the first day. I didn't get any blisters on the first day, even though I spent a lot of the day walking on concrete and bitumen through the suburbs. Uh, but day two, I'd actually gone through and taped the balls of my feet, uh, which was where the, the hot spots were. And again, that uh, I find that that works really well for me. Uh, and my foot choice uh, was a... First time I'd gone through and done a long distance hike in ultra Olympus shoes, uh, and these are a fairly broad um, toe box on them, uh, and they, for the first time in, in many years, um, I hadn't had blisters on my toes, so they, they were obviously a good choice uh, for this particular hike, for me at least anyway. Yeah, it may that's not, good. may not be for, you, for, for everybody else, but certainly for me uh, and the sort of, sort of uh, the, the padding and the comfort I need on my feet, they worked well. Um, I mentioned this in the day to start that I don't know what it is. I know exactly how long it takes me to get ready in the morning. I set my alarm. So in the case of day two, I set my alarm for 5.20 uh, and I still ended up... You faffed about. <laughs> still ended up leaving, yeah. And I think that's the thing. I still ended up, by the time I got back to the start of the trailhead, I, I didn't leave until 7.26 and I'd planned on leaving at 7.00. Almost without fail, I always leave about twenty to thirty minutes later than I planned. Uh, you know, I just get you know. Rather... That doesn't happen when I'm with you, Tim. So yeah, it's it's something I'm aware of, and it doesn't matter what I do. It's just it's it's just the way I am. So you know, I probably need to get up at five o'clock to, oh. to 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 leave at seven. I think uh, allowing two hours, because in all honesty, taping my feet takes around about twenty minutes. Uh, if I'm doing a full tape, uh, even doing the, the balls of my feet is close on that. So um, it does sort of slow me down a bit. Started off the day quite well. Um, 
In fact, I was the first section was walking still on roads uh, to until I went past, uh, not long past the railway station, and I ended up having an uphill winding bit. Um, I thought, <laughs> oh, for God's sake, it's, it was it's, it's, steep. It was steep, but just winding up. And I spent quite a lot of time walking along the side of a highway. Um, and as much as in some instances I could walk on grass, in other instances I didn't want to because sometimes the grass were, was above knee height. And given the time of the year, I'm thinking if there's going to be snakes anywhere, this is where they'll be. So I was walking on the bitumen, uh, keeping out of the long grass um, and dodging traffic because they were coming around the corners a bit too tight. Um but, um, yeah, I, I spent probably two-thirds of the morning walking on the side of a road. Yeah, that, that wasn't a fun part of the tr- track, I don't think. No, I don't think it was. And I think, you know, I, I had someone made comment on social media the night before saying the next day is not that great. Uh, and sure enough, I, I agree. That, that section getting uh, from the caravan park through to the uh, – the conservation areas and the, and the national parks is probably not the the best area. I think it's just one of those areas. It's almost like a it's a connection point that you have to do yeah. to get you where you need to go. I was moving quite well, space wise or time wise, um, and but at, at early in the morning the temperature was reasonably good, and, and this is where things started to come unraveled a bit. I mean. I was expecting to have temperatures in the high 20s for that day and the forecast was into the mid to high 30s the following day. Um, Day two was probably going to be the longest day of my trip Um, and once I'd actually gotten off the the main road and into the state forest or state conservation area, I was walking on management road um, and I was starting to slow down and slow pace as the heat was starting to build build up. Um, and realistically, I ended up, um, you know, to cut a long story short, I ended up making the decision at around about 11 o'clock in the morning that enough was enough um, because the pace I was travelling, even though I was travelling at a good pace earlier on, I was getting to the stage where I was having to have a break every 15 to 20 minutes and have a sit uh, because some of the hills were so steep, and I was just thinking it's going to take me uh, around about... 7.30 to 8 o'clock at night to do the distance I needed to do to get to the campground. Um, and I'm thinking this is just not going to work for me because if I walk that sort of distance in the heat, and it was uh, by, by the time I stopped, it was actually 28 degrees. And I must admit, I had been looking at Newcastle weather conditions, but as soon as I adjusted my phone to the local weather conditions, <laughs> the, the temperature changed a bit. You know, once you get away from the ocean, you lose those breezes, the temperatures go up a bit. And it was, you know, 28 degrees at 11 o'clock. Um, I, I was thinking I'm not going to um, be enjoying the rest of the afternoon. Um, I just did not want to be there. Yeah, and I even offered to, so I was following along um uh, with the four-wheel drive and I offered to take his pack to the overnight campsite so, you know, he didn't have to walk with the, the weight. And, um, you know, when, when he declined that, I knew that, that this is this, he's not in a good place. He's not in a good, uh, good frame of mind for this. And I must admit, the actual pack itself, while it was heavy, it wasn't uncomfortable or unbearable. So I was coping quite well with that. Um, but I think from my perspective, 
My decision to pull the pin on the hike was based on a couple of reasons. Firstly, it was the heat. Um, I know a number of hikers that love the heat uh, and operate really well in the hot conditions. I'm not one of them. My ideal hiking temperature is around about 12 degrees, which is... which <laughs> You is, don't do much hiking though, do you? <laughs> uh, yeah, and it's okay doing day hiking when you're not carrying a heavily weighted pack. You've got a fairly light pack um, and you can move quite quickly and, uh, and don't have an issue. But um, you know, certainly for me, uh, 12 degrees, I can pretty much walk all day for long distances. I've done the Canberra Centenary Trail in the middle of January a few years ago where the temperatures over a three-day period were in their mid-30s um, and I was doing on two days over 50 kilometres but I wasn't carrying a fully weighted pack. It was pretty much a day pack with minimal gear. Um, I think at that stage I was also probably the fittest I've ever been from a hiking perspective um, and there was an opportunity to get out of the sun and get a bit of shelter, whereas a lot of the first day on this hike was pretty much spent in the open. Uh, at least half the second morning was spent in the open, and even, even up until 11 o'clock there was some shade but not a lot. So I was just finding that I, I just started calculating what it was going to look like over the next 12 days, and while, as far as I could tell, Sunday or the Sunday and the Monday were probably the two hottest days of the whole trip. Um, I thought this is this is not going to go well, and I'm going to end up spending an extra four or five days, which I wasn't prepared for, if I had to shorten the days down to actually go through and do this trip. It's interesting actually because um, from my perspective, from the morning of day one and that continued that you've talked about into day two, uh, your preparation um, was very disorganised. Um, it, it was um, very, very weird to watch. Um, it, it was a little bit erratic and um, you you just did not seem as focused as you normally are when you're heading off on a on a walk like this. So, you know, I don't know whether there was something that was happening with you at that time, um, but, you know, for me watching you, it, it didn't look uh, what I would describe as normal for you, um, even from the very beginning. And, um, yeah, I did, I did wonder what was happening and, and you know, what, what was to come. And I think that's it. So, you know, I've mentioned the issue with heat and, I, and I'll, before I go on to the, the mindset side of things, I'll just finish off on one, one more physical aspect. I'm also probably seven or eight kilos heavier than I usually like to be at the start of a hike. Uh, and that certainly has a physical impact. It means I was traveling slower than I normally would have done. But as Jill mentioned, the mindset was often a big issue. Um, I, I do tend to be a hiker of a couple of extremes where on in some instances I'll just randomly decide this is where we're going and this is what we're doing. But normally for my long-distance hikes, I'm pretty obsessive with planning. Uh, and that's just the type of personality that I am. I plan things down to the nth degree and I plan all the, the potential contingencies if things go wrong or things need to change. And while I've done reasonably high level of planning for this hike, it wasn't the same degree that I'd typically do. Now, it's, what I ended up doing was probably a high level of planning that most people do on hikes, uh, but for me it wasn't. And I think, as Jill mentioned, it was the mindset. My mind just wasn't in this hike. Um, 
And I was enjoying it. Um, I just, I, for whatever. I, yeah, I don't think, you know, you spent such a long time uh, trying to make a decision about the Australian Alps walking track. And I, I don't think that you'd clicked into this one. No, and I think that's probably right. I think, I think from my perspective, I'm planning the hikes for next year. I'm planning the hikes for the year after and the year after that. And that's the degree of planning I put into my hikes. Uh, and for this one, it was always on my list of hikes to do, but I didn't start planning at 12 months out, which is, which is what I probably would have done. Um, and I think that just set me in the wrong frame of mind. So I think once I looked at it now, and I, I think all that second morning as I was walking, uh, I just had things going through my mind about I, I could feel the heat having the impact. I'm thinking, what are my options? What can I do? And typically that's not what I'm like. Usually I don't let, th- let physical impacts stop me. Um, you know, you've only got to listen to the podcast from the Human Hovel Track. It probably took Jill about four days to convince me it's time to time to call it quits. Well, uh, no, I, I, I threatened that the next day I would call it <laughs> is what I did. So, yeah, it's it's the sort of thing that, um, um, you know, for me to actually call it quits on a hike, it's not what I do. Um, so you know, it's, you know, ultimately it was the right decision to, to pull the pin. Hindsight's a really lovely thing. Um, you know, I, from a psychological point of view, I like walking home. It's just who I am. Um, now, when I'm talking about walking home, it's either walking towards the airport that I'll be taking off from, which was the case <laughs> of uh, what happened in Western Australia when I did uh, did the, the Bibbulin track. Uh, human hovel, it was uh, walking away, but that was only from a logistical perspective. Uh, this one, it was walking towards Sydney to make, you know, it was, means I was heading back in the direction of Canberra. As I said, hindsight's a wonderful thing. And I think, you know, had I have started from Sydney, it may have been a very different sort of outcome. Um, I think the vegetation in, in that part of Sydney would have been a bit more shade. Uh, I, I know the elevation change on the Sydney to roughly the halfway point is a lot more even and not so not so much up and down. It's the the section between around about the midpoint from you know from virtually from Hawkesbury River roughly through to um, Newcastle where the elevation changes quite a uh, vary. Um, and and to give you an idea, uh, when Jill picked me up and we started heading out, we headed out in the direction I was walking, and we got to a point where. We have a we have a proper four wheel drive, uh, <laughs> and we looked at this section of road, which was management road, and we're thinking, no, we could probably get up that, but if it gets worse on the other side, we're going to end up being stuck. There were some very very deep ruts in the road, which I would have had to have walked up, and and yeah, rounded but very large, you know, boulders to drive over as well. Um, and I must admit, you know, I'm not. Um, I'm not uh, fearful of driving through that sort of stuff, but I did stop and thought, mm, nah, let's, I'll just turn around and go the other way. And it wasn't too bad anyway. To didn't take us that long to, once we'd made the decision to call it, um, didn't take that long to get back onto the highway. So the, the, the benefit of that distance would have been marginal. 
the uh, the extreme four wheel driving uh, effort would have been fairly significant. I think. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, it might have been okay. So, basically, what I learned out of this, I mean, you know, I if I had have planned this trip from the start as my long distance hike of the year, I would have been walking it in June, July, August. Uh, I mean, you know, it's not as if it's in the snowfields. You know, it's, it's coastal New South Wales or inland New South Wales where you're not getting minus five and six degrees, uh, although it can get cold. But I prefer hiking in those sort of temperatures. So certainly, you know, if it had been this time last year, half of New South Wales was on fire at that stage and there was no way you could have done this walk. So I think you know, I only did it because I had the time off uh, and the time I had off was that time that was planned for the Australian Alps walking track, which was planned for the ideal time of the year for that trip. So uh, in hindsight, I probably should have just delayed the holidays until probably March or April and done it when that was the temperatures were starting to cool down quite quite dramatically. Um, I think the other thing as well, as I said, even though I do like walking home, I think if I, and I will do this walk again at some point, uh, I will do it from Sydney and head towards Newcastle. Um, you know, I was carrying 12 days worth of food, um, which totaled seven kilos all up. Uh, all up, my pack was 22 kilos on the very first day. That was including three litres of water. Uh, and I think doing it from Sydney means that you have less of a physical impact um, on the first half of the trip, and by the time you hit the really hilly stuff, you're starting to lose food. Now, when I do say hilly, it's not hilly compared to the Australian Alps. The Australian Alps, some of the change, the altitude changes there are, are much more significantly difficult uh, and steeper for that matter. But certainly, and when it's hot, you certainly notice the difference. Um, I think the other thing as well, as I said, from my perspective, just the way that I am, I would have been better off giving myself another three or four months, doing it in autumn time, um, and that would have, from a mental perspective, allowed me to be better mentally prepared. And I think with doing long-distance hikes in particular, there's a component that is physical and there is a component that is mental. And it's interesting, actually, because, you know, you'd already um, arranged to have this time off and um, because you were uh, doing a longer hike, um, I elected not to go. I do wonder whether or not it would have been a little bit easier if I'd been walking with you. Um, you know, some of the gear would have been split between us to, to start with. Um, but I think the one thing that we tend to do when we're walking together is we we're generally not down together and so the other person you know can jolly you along a little bit and lift your spirits a little bit when it gets a bit tough um so you know that might have had a a positive impact as well i think that raises something that i hadn't i hadn't mentioned previously in every long hike that i've done it whether it's been with um uh, by myself or with other people um Typically, I'm not a talker when I hike. I'll talk during breaks or if we see something, we'll talk about it. But I'm not the sort of person that'll talk all day as we're walking. Uh, and usually, regardless of whether it's a solo hike or a, uh, a multi-person hike, I go into what I can best describe the zone. I just get into, I go into my own head. I start thinking about the problems of the world 
and this is something that didn't happen even yeah. even on you know I, I will normally start doing this in the, even the first couple of days of a hike and this just did not happen so mentally I was just not there for this hike so unfortunately that's it for the great North Walk <laughs> for 2020 um, I do have um, some long hikes planned for next year um, and one of them is to try and do the Australian Alps walking track but I've pretty much done the planning for that already uh, so I've got another 12 months to sort of rethink and reschedule and think about what it is I need to do for that walk um, and I think uh, certainly I might even start to, I mean I do have to be conscious about snow fields but I'll probably start to do the walk um, a three or four weeks earlier than I'd planned this year, starting in late Oct- mid to late October rather than uh, mid-November. So in episode 112, we actually did a, um, uh, a podcast on calling it Quits on a Hike. And I think for someone that blogs and does podcasting, there's an extra amount of pressure that I feel that I need to continue. So Typically, if I call it quits on a hike, it's probably later than I should do. Uh, it really is something that means that I, if I call it quits, it means that uh, you know it's really at that stage because it's not just the the first off, am uh, I having a bad day sort of thing that I pull the pin on it. So um, yeah, it's it's pressure that I place on myself that nobody else is placing on me, uh, but it's just something that, as I said, if if I call it quits. It's definitely the right decision. Uh, and I think we, we actually did a, um, a post this morning explaining what had happened because people found that the interacting map had just stopped working and that's because I'd stopped walking. Uh, and uh, I thanks everyone for their messages and their thoughts. Um, yeah, that was a really good thing. I mean, it was just, um, you know, just, just the encouragement along the way but also um, the messages um, after Tim finished, that was a very positive thing to have been part of. So thank you, everyone, for that. Okay, so that's it for the Great North Walk for 2020, and I will revisit it at some <laughs> point, but definitely at a better time of the year. We hope you found this podcast to be informative. Um, and, uh, again, I think the thing to remember, whether it's this walk or any other walk, if for whatever reason you think that's it, I need to, I really can't go on any further, I really do need to pull the pin, don't be afraid to do it, don't feel pressured that you need to keep on going, um, certainly don't quit, um, you know, uh, if you're just having to, um, you've got a tiny blister on your foot, but you know, stub your toe, stub your toe <laughs> but yeah, certainly if you, yeah, if you've really gotten to the stage where you think, no, this, I am not enjoying this and it's, it's time to go, certainly don't be, don't be afraid to pull the pin. Okay, that's all for this week. Hope you've enjoyed. Bye for now. And bye from me.